I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. of the Lost Words DFS podcast. I'm joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey Tom, you're on a heater as usual, huh? Yeah, it's uh, it's going well on the outrights. Um, Bill Huss didn't quite get through the cut like uh, Sung Yon the week before, so maybe I need to stop trying to uh, find these $61, $6,200 rags to try and get through the cut. Um, probably not the sort of event this week where we're going to be looking down that range too often, I would have thought. No, probably not, but there are a couple of guys who are a little surprising that they're down there. I guess we'll talk about it when it comes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just sort of recapping last week, obviously, Scotty Scheffler won. Um, I was obviously quite keen on him. And Billy Horschel uh, played well for, for a long period of time and you know, didn't quite get uh, his nose in front. But, um, yeah, I was, I was quite happy with the process of, of those two guys especially. Yeah, you had some great calls on Billy. I mean, that was kind of an under-the-radar play, and it ended up working out really well. Scotty is just another example of sometimes that chalk really pays off, and you got to find different ways to, you know, differentiate your lineup. And it's not it's not always going to be not playing the most popular guys because I think he was, you know, either first, second, or third in terms of popularity, and he paid off. So, um, you know, there's many ways to do it, but um, sometimes you got to you got to go with the chalk. Yeah, it's one of those ones where he was he was at that price, wasn't he, where people were going to want to play him. I think he was 9900 and. You know, it, it it was a chance to get him a bit of a discount compared to, to what we see him in some fields. So, um, yeah, you, you have to go with it, and, and it paid off. And like you say, you can differentiate other ways. I think JT kind of delivered almost what, you know, wanted from him last week. I think we probably both, in the end, after the discussion, we had probably hoped he would actually contend for the win more than he did. But he certainly made a lot of birdies out there. Yeah, I thought, I mean, he's the right. he was the right play. You can see... He played the course very well. He gained over seven strokes on approach, which was his most since his last victory at the Players. And he couldn't putt. And that's something that's not always predictable. You know, although with him, he hasn't been putting well at all. But um, you got to play these guys' ceilings. And when he hits his ceiling, he can putt. He's not not terrible. So, um, you know, I expected better and I hope for better. But that's the way it goes. Sometimes the putts don't fall. Talking of ceiling plays this week, my, my outright card is uh, very much going in that direction. I've started it with Morikawa and, and Rory McIlroy, um, Bubba Watson as, as the course history guy, um, and then I've gone with Neiman and, and Thomas Peters. So I've, I've kind of steered away from these long shots this week, and like you say, there will be names down here in DFS. But I think, and I was certainly looking at the, the salary this week, I think it's basically, I would be quite comfortable just taking the guys that are going to be lower owned because... I don't think there's an awful lot between any of the guys, kind of 9,000 and up. Yeah, I'm with you there. And with that being said, the ownership is a bit spread out. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the the highest owned guy I'm looking at is um, in that range is kind of DJ Rom, Rory, Xander are all between 14 and 17%. So there's no one who's garnering extreme amount of ownership then you get can't lay at 13.7 um you know so everyone's i think you can kind of play who you want up here yeah i think i think that's the thing isn't it i think you, you take your guy and and go with it and so on on that kind of uh wavelength and who who would be your guy certainly above the 10k range that you'd want to stick your flag on uh, my guy is going to be dj okay uh, i like i like um the fact that he played a couple weeks ago and um and he played really well 
um, and he just, you know, couldn't really putt. I know he was, I was looking for his stats. I couldn't find him. Um, and, and, uh, you know, on the Asian tour, but I know, you know, just from watching it, you could tell he was ball striking the hell out of it and he couldn't make putts, which happened to him last time when he was over there. And, um, and then he's comes to a place where, I mean, this is his spot as, as, as much as any other place on tour, this is a place where you want to be on Dustin Johnson and getting him at this price, I think 10,200, uh, and his last finishes there, second, second, fourth, first, 16th, ninth, 10th, eighth. It's just, this is his probably favorite spot on tour. And to be able to play him at that price and, you know, a kind of a jumbled up ownership, that's where I'm going to start. See, I kind of expected to be coming on here, Matt, and saying that I'm going to fade Dustin Johnson because I thought with his kind of reduced price compared to Thomas Cantley and obviously especially Rahm, I kind of felt like he was going to be the ultra popular one based on that course history. And there was a little bit in those kind of two weeks that he's, that he's been doing so far in 2022, where I thought, you know, maybe he's not going to go on a win and, and maybe I could kind of fade him. But certainly now with, with the ownership, the way it is and kind of more spread out, I don't see a, a path where you don't play Dustin Johnson, at, at least in some lineups. Yeah. And you know what I think part of it too, is it's not like everyone who's playing DFS is a hundred percent invested in the DP world tour and the Asian tour and all these things going on and kind of, it's out of, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And they've seen a lot more from Rom, Cantlay, JT last week, Hideki, Hovland, Scheffler, Zalatoris. Like there's just so many other options. And DJ again, didn't win last year and they haven't seen him in a while. So I think that could be part of the reason why he's somewhat popular, but, but why he's not getting a crazy amount of ownership at that price. Yeah, and I think, you know, as well is that you say that outside of mine, Colin Morikawa has been on a DP World Tour his last two starts. Um, he did play the century where he finished fifth. And, but, you know, his last three official starts on the PGA Tour, second, seventh and fifth. So he's he's the Colin Morikawa that we know and love. Um, and I'm basically banking on him having a good putting week because that is the only thing keeping him from contending at this golf course. Uh, last year he was, well, both years he's been here, he's been second uh, in strokes gain approach. He was 50s green last year and 13th the year before, but he lost a ridiculous seven and a half strokes putting last year. Um, so if he can kind of find that kind of week that he did, at, you know, like Harding Park and, and places like that, um, I, I kind of think it's watch out for Colin Morikawa because this is the golf course that should suit him to the ground. It should. I get, um, I get really especially at Riviera more so than probably any other course, I just get roped in by the, the sexy long ball hitters. Yeah. And I think the long and straight, the Rom, DJ, Rory, that's the angle that I like to go with in this week. And I've been wrong. I mean, I've been right on Morikawa a couple times, but I've been wrong on him just as many times. So, uh, so for me, I'm going to go with other guys instead of him. And I'm just going to, you know, I'll kind of banking that the course history maybe is uh, a little bit of insight to him not, being the best year, I know he's been good tee to green, but it is a tough place to putt. Um, yeah, and then you got the uh, you know the Masters correlation, and I just think these other guys seem to set up better in terms of course correlation and skill set. And I just think that you know, like you say, there's a skill set is that the guys like Dustin and Rory and, and Xander and Ram, they can kind of get away without having their best off the tee because they can be a little bit wayward. But you know, Morikawa really can't afford that. He he needs to have you know the very best, which he has had. Um, at the two times he's visited this golf course but it, it was one of those things where I was kind of like this is the third time now that we've seen him at the golf course if he doesn't putt well here this, week, this year then I would say there's a problem 
right? But I'm willing to find out, you know, on the third occasion because Dustin finished 59th on his debut, then 10th, missed a couple of cuts uh, either side of those third and fourth place finishes. Adam Scott had, you know, a couple of middling finishes before actually, uh, you know, contending here. Patrick Cantlay, albeit very early on in his career, missed his first two cuts. So I do think it's a course that you can learn. And I think especially with the greens and places like, you know, particularly Augusta, you know, we see every year that people have to go and break 70 there for the first time before they can contend and things like that. So with there being a lot of correlation to, to Augusta, I think it's one that you can learn and, and the experience will, will kind of play into his favour. I mean, the counter-argument to that is you've seen guys, you know, John Rahm finished top 10 in his debut, Victor Hovland fifth on his debut. Like, there, there's probably guys that, you know, have proven that you maybe don't need to be patient here. But I just I just want to find out from Morikawa this, this week whether he can actually putt these greens. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. And, you know, I guess one question we do have to talk about is Rahm here. I almost... I, I liked him last week just as a play because I think it's just his floor is so high and I almost like him better this week and I was thinking of trying to because Rory and DJ are both so playable at their prices my thought process was try to get Rom in a couple of those and have maybe a Rom DJ lineup and then a Rom Roy lineup and just play that long and straight driver um, kind of a correlation there and he I mean last week was one of his best ball striking weeks of in a year and he's been the best golfer in the world so I and he, and he putt it poorly, but it's not like when JT putts poorly, right? Because when Rom putts it poorly, he's due for a bounce back. He's a very good putter. Uh, he's top 10 in the field in three-putt avoidance. He's top you know, 20 in the field in uh, strokes game putting when it's on POA and the greens are fast. He just He's a great putter. So the fact that he had such a bad week last week, I think Water's going to find his level and he's going to putt well. And if that's the case, the field's in trouble. And I think I think what I like about John Rom here is that when it was Phoenix, he's kind of expected to win that tournament one year, like because he's kind of an Arizona State guy, and you know he, he had that great finish as a, as a you know an amateur. Like everyone kind of just thinks that Ram is bound to win Phoenix Open, whereas you don't kind of hear the same at Riviera, despite the fact that he's gone ninth, seventeenth, and fifth, and obviously played very well at Augusta as well. Um, Tory Pines comes up on a lot in, in correlation, mm-hmm. and he's obviously brilliant there. So. I do think it's wise to play John Rahm. I think this is this is the time where where the ownership's a bit spread out and where people don't feel like they have to play John Rahm. I think that's a really good point. So um, I'd certainly be comfortable. I'm just kind of sort of plugging in a couple of lineups now, and the idea of starting with John Rahm and Roy McIlroy it, it, it gives you some some room. I mean, you're taking a couple of guys from the kind of 6500 range, and all of a sudden you can you can fill up with two 8K guys. So um, there's certainly some things to be done further down the uh, board. Yeah, um, I if I was making three lineups right now, I'd have a Rom DJ, a Rom Rory, and a DJ Rory, and that, that's kind of how I would start with it. Um, and I, I totally agree in Rom. I think this is a place Riviera is a, is a course where he's going to eventually win, if not multiple times, and um, he's kind of due for that breakthrough this week. And I, like you said, also I love the fact that he's not the overwhelming chalk this week. You know, in fact, I think there's probably a couple guys right in that range. I mean, five guys within a point or two of them. So that, that, this is the time. Is there a guy that you don't like 9K and above that you, you would completely fade? That's tough. I mean, this week more so than ever, I feel like all these guys really have a shot, um, a real a real shot to win, which I know the odds indicate they always have a shot to win, but I'm not going to play Scheffler, and I don't. I think everyone's probably in the same in the same realm there. Um, I'm not going to play Brooks. Brooks has never really played this course well. He's at 9K flat, but those are the two lowest-owned guys, so I think everyone's kind of uh, has that same thought process that I have. 
Um, and Cantley, you know what? I think I'll I'll take a stand and say I don't think Cantley is a great play this week. I just think eventually after four weeks of truly contending that he's going to run out of steam here this week. I I don't like Cantley this week. He would be the guy, and it's always dangerous fading the guy that's had four starts and finished top nine each time, right? That, that eventually maybe he's trending towards that victory. But he was just so disappointing uh, on Sunday, and and it was more so at Pebble he was worse. Like I mean, he had the chance to kind of close it out um on the 18th green um you know and, and really you know Scheffler wasn't convincing it you know I think they sort of said it in the commentary and that you know certainly on Twitter it was the case of Scheffler was more likely to hold that kind of 30 foot bomb than he was at a five foot putt so um Cantlay had opportunities to win so I think from a from a truly winning standpoint I wouldn't I fully expect him to play well again, um, but but I, yeah, I, I would fade him on that basis. And I agree with Brooks, right? I, I think that as soon as someone like Brooks shows a bit of life and he's the lowest priced guy out of these truly elite ones, that people may go to play him. But you say that the ownership's fairly down. In terms of Scheffler, right, I, I disagree slightly because I think we've seen with you know lesser names recently, they've kind of played their their next start and played okay and. Um, you know, after that win, and I just think that if you know if Tom Hoagie can win and go and finish 14th from Phoenix, then I don't see why Scheffler can't repeat what he's done at Riviera. And when you look, I mean, he's actually been you know pretty decent. He shot a 67 to open last year and, and a 66 in the final round, um, and then he was 30th the year before. He was solid for four rounds, and I think he's won that kind of collegiate showcase here before. So I actually think Scheffler could be a smart player at low ownership. He could be. Uh, definitely, you're getting some leverage if he does play well. Uh, I think just getting that monkey off his back sometimes is is taxing. And I know you just referenced that with Hoagie. Although, you know, it's a little bit of a different situation, different type of guy. And the pressure kind of was weighing on Scheffler for a long yeah. time, whereas Hoagie didn't have any pressure to really win. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's a great leverage spot. I'm not I'm not the hugest Scheffler guy anyway, and that cost me last week. Um but there's just so many other guys I'd rather play, and um, I'm willing to eat some ownership because of it. Yeah, no, I completely understand that. I think for me, it's one of those, like you say, I think his is more of relief, whereas Hoagie's was kind of like a nice win and a reward for good play, whereas Scheffler felt like he needed to do it. So there is that kind of chance for a lit down. But I just think, I just, I like the price and I like the fact that he's low ownership. So it'd be interesting to see how he does. Um, going on to the 8K range. I'm not going to play Jordan Spieth. I don't know about you, but he won't be in my line of thinking. And I think I'm going to steer away from Sam Burns as well because I originally had him as an outright selection. I had him sort of written up. And then when I started digging into it a bit more, because I was surprised he went out to 41. And when I started digging more into it, I actually thought he should have been bigger. Like I think his tee green game was poor last week in Phoenix. I think when you, you look at it, it's not been one bad week. It's kind of been two really disappointing miscuts at Tory and, and the Phoenix, and then 19th at the Tournament Champions where he had one good round. Um, it is kind of a, a pattern of poor form uh, so far in 2022. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the last two weeks on the show is my two, you know, two of my better calls was avoiding Sam Burns. I've said full fade on him last week and full fade on him the week before, and he missed the cut in both. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I'm, my goal this year coming into it was to sell high on Burns and I, I'm going to continue to sell high um, and I'm, I'm going to you know keep going that way and he's, he's it's not selling quite as high now but I'm, I think he's still you know you know if he's going to go and win a Sanderson farm sure but 
the best fielders in the world. He's yet to really show that he could do it. He was obviously did well here last year, but he felt he was you know not, not great on Sunday and everything. So fine fading him and then Spieth. Yeah, I mean even if Spieth was playing well, I wouldn't play him here. No. Uh, last week I yeah last week I played him because I thought that could have been one of his courses, which he's still capable of playing well at. I was wrong about that. Um, he looked awful. Yeah, that was a mistake, and I'm not gonna not gonna make the mistake again. But I wouldn't have anyway, even here ever. It's it's weird, isn't it? Because when you when you make the correlations to Augusta, like you know, Jordan Spieth's absolutely owned Augusta, so um, that does show that generally speaking, you don't need to kind of buy into those narratives all the time. But having said that, you know, 12th, 4th, 9th, 15th, he's had some decent results here without really setting the world alight. I just I just think there's so many better plays around him. Um, that, that I'd go there. I haven't heard anything about whether Zalasaurus actually suffered with COVID or whether he was just out through protocol. Um, so that I, I don't know if that's keeping people off of him or whether people do just want to go back to him at 8,800. Yeah, he's going to be the highest owned guy on the board. Um, you know, it's it's still somewhat spread out, but I'm seeing him at about 17.5%. Um, and then you're looking at like DJ, Rahm, and Rory all in this low 16s. So he's, you know, he's, he's high and it makes sense. I've been, you know, like a, a month ago, I was like, I'd like to be able to chance to get on Zalatoris at, at Riviera. Uh, Cause I think it's just a good spot for him. He's a guy who I like, you know, find the fairway, find the green two putt and move on and then make those birdies when you can take care of those par fives. And course fit is great. Um, the COVID thing is not stopping people from playing him. He's, he almost reminds me of last week's Scheffler, right? He's in that same, uh, you know, kind of a, a, affordable price range everybody's really betting the outright um he makes too much sense not to play but just like last week with scheffler i'm gonna go down that same route and fade him anyway it's it's tough because if i knew he was healthy then i would just be playing him automatically because i think that we've seen it now and it's becoming narrative but you know luke list tom hoagie scotty scheffler the the guys that are been playing well getting rewarded for their victories and i think will zelatoris will um you know his 15th here last year one bad round kind of cost him on a scoring day that a lot of people struggled and his caddy is actually the guy that caddied for john merrick here back in 2013 so um whether that helps on maybe one or two putts uh in the final day that it could be you know could be remains to be seen but um you know you can actually start like a a lineup of John Rahm, Cam Smith, and Will Zalatoris, and give yourself a, a decent lineup. There's, there's so many good lineups that you can play this week and feel really comfortable. That I guess that's why the ownership's so spread out. Exactly. That's why. That's why. And I, I think with the COVID thing, at this point, you have to assume these guys are healthy. Yeah. Because who has really had COVID and came back and, and was affected by it? I remember like you had the narrative going to the U.S. Open of Rahm. He'd missed two weeks with COVID or whatever, and then he came to the U.S. Open and he he won it. I. I think if there was something more to it, it would be made a bigger deal. And I, I think that the, those cases have been so few and far between, you just have to assume he's fine. Yep, no, I like that. Naturally, on this show, we talk a lot about peak performance and having a whole package when it comes to winning golf tournaments. But you know who else focused on these two areas as well? Manscaped. Manscaped took their Lawnmower 4.0 product and put it together with all the necessary components to make the Performance Package 4.0. Including this package is the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, which takes care of nose and ear hair, the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, which are essential for your balls, and two free gifts, including a premium wash bag and a pair of anti-chafing boxes. Now this set is normally $218, 
but is $130 for a limited time only, and with our 20% code LFW20, that will now be brought down even further to $104. In the UK, this will be £96 instead of £120, and again, the Performance Package 4.0 helps you and these elite golfers, if they so wish, stay in peak shape below the waist. That is code LFW20 for 20% off site-wide and free worldwide shipping on manscaped.com. Um, Sung JM is playing very, very well. Um, it goes completely against the course uh, history. He's got two missed cuts here, and he's missed them by a decent chunk. Um, kind of shooting. He's, he's had, I think he's had two rounds of 69, then just two rounds of 76. So um, he kind of lets himself down one or two ways. I do think he's the type that can bounce back from a poor course history because I don't think it's a bad fit based on the fact that he's played well, um, you know, at Augusta in the past and he played well at Torrey Pines, you know, last time out he was sixth. What do you do with a guy like Sung Jm? I'm personally not going to be playing Sung Jm, and I I am a course history guy. I know some people think that's not the best way to go, but I like the the course history stuff and i think i like the putting green services i'm just hoping to fade sungjay till we get him to florida in the next couple of weeks i think he's going to be great there um and i think you know he could could definitely play well here yeah but there are just other guys who i i, I just can't i can't envision him winning this and now that i say that he probably will win but i <laughs> i i think in that range you have so many guys who have a ceiling of winning the tournament and i don't feel like he does that i'd rather just play somebody else but i think for me is everyone's kind of because he's playing so well that everyone thinks that his price is so generous in terms of in ter- more in the betting market, I would say. But I don't really think it was. I didn't really know what you could have made him. At, you know, is he going to be a thirty-three to one guy in this field? I I personally wouldn't do that. You know, I kind of treat this as basically major pricing. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm not so high on him. Um, you know, obviously I'm high on Bubba Watson this week. Um, I want to know what's going to happen with Tony Fee now. I've again him and Burns were the two guys I took out of of my outrights, and and hopefully they don't kind of come back to bite me because Tony Fee now at 8400 at Riviera where he's played so well does look tempting. Yeah, and again ownership's really spread. All those guys are pretty similar: Sungjae, Burns, Bubba, Fee now, Homa, all in the same range, all on the same ownership range. Um, only guy who kind of surpassed them is Scott, who's a little bit more popular in the 13, 14% range, which, you know, is pretty high. Um, Finau's a tough one. The price is great. The outright price is great, but he's just, he's been lost. And He's not playing well you know, at all, is he? Oh, he's playing terrible. It's in the courses that he should be playing. This is his, this is his swing. This whole West Coast swing, he's great. He missed a cut at Farmers, missed a cut at Phoenix, was average at best at Amex. It's just... It's hard to go to him the, with the way that he's playing. With that being said, he could turn it on quickly here at that price. It's not a bad gamble to take. I think. I think for me, like when you say that the ownership is so spread out, like if he was low owned compared to somebody else, I would just take a flower on him because I think the upside is so good and we know what he can do. Um, and I expected Bubba to garner more ownership. I don't, I don't need to sell Bubba to anybody. He's a three-time winner at the course. That you know he was first in approaches last week, so that's the very short thing on Bubba Watson. But if Scott's going to be the guy that's most popular, I'll just leave him because as much as he's been impressive on the on the DP World Tour and he was okay in Phoenix last week, I, I don't need to play him. I, I like Max Homer. I like Matthew Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, I, I don't really need to go to Adam Scott. I agree. I love Adam Scott. He's one of my favorite golfers, but I'm, I'm with you. If he's more... There's, there's three guys in the mid to high seven, so I think basically have his exact same ceiling and floor pretty much and i'll just go to them instead i guess we'll talk about them when we get there 
let's let's go to those guys because I, I don't really have anything to say more on you know Fitzpatrick's in great form loves the course is a good course fit um Taylor Gooch I know your your opinion is generally on Taylor Gooch and um he's, he's slowly going d- back down to a price where people are going to want to play him but I don't want to so I mentioned earlier that Joaquin Neiman uh, was in my uh, outright selections. I'm guessing, or I haven't got the figures in front of me, you have. Is he one of the higher-end guys in this range? Neiman. Um, he, not really. He's actually about 8% at 7,800. He was one of the guys who I who I actually bet him outright as well. Yep. Um, and I, I love him. I, uh, I think he's a great fit here. I know the course history is kind of somewhat non-existent, um, but he's obviously young. I'm, I'm seeing 8%. Um, and I just love his skill set for the course. And like you said, you know, I mentioned this at the at the top of the show, ceiling play. If he reaches a ceiling, this is a great spot for him. He's long and straight, keeps it low. Um, yeah, I, I think it's an awesome play this week. Well, he's longer than people think. I think you know, even when people say he's longer than people think, they still don't really you know gauge how long he can actually hit it. And his course form, I mean, 44th miscut, 43rd, maybe keeping people up a little bit. But you know, on better investigation of that. Um, using tour tips like round by round he shot 66 in round two on his debut he was 13th after 36 holes he's still in the top 26 after 54 he just had a bad final day um and then last year he was fourth after day one and second after 36 again so um you know he was playing really really well he, he clearly loves the course he likes the setup uh third round 78 again like i mentioned earlier that it was a tough scoring day and he you know exacerbated that and 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 played really poorly on that day but and just didn't bounce back on on the sunday because even after that 78 on on the third day he was still inside the top 30 um so i, I really do think the way he's playing sixth and eighth his last two starts tees green he was absolutely immense at sorry pines um i think he's a great play he's probably my favorite player of the week he uh he's up there for me too um and just a quick note um i'm gonna i'll continue on neiman but just some of you guys who might be interested in this uh, golf WRX. I have a, a friend who's big into the equipment stuff, and it actually sometimes it bears a lot of weight sometimes on the results. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But I guess Colin Morikawa is messing with one of those Spider GTs this week. Um, those putters, the the you know the, the really thick ones, which is something yeah. he really hasn't done. So that I mean I don't know if that people want to weigh that or not, but I just figured I'd throw it out there. Well, the, the, the last time we, we worried about Colin Morikawa making equipment changes, he won the Open Championship. So hopefully, with my outright bets, he goes along with that because he changed his irons for the Open after the Scottish, didn't he? So yep. um, hopefully tinkering works for Colin Morikawa and he doesn't get lost. But um, that's a really interesting yeah. note because it does put a little bit of doubt in my mind, but also kind of gives me the hope that he can repeat what he did at the Open. But but carrying on in that 7K range, I know you said you'd like to have a couple of guys in the, in the top 7K range. Yeah, uh, so Neiman, I'm with you 100%. I love him. Um, Leishman is the nut, is a guy who I was really looking at yeah. because 7,900, I mean, you're playing a guy below 8K whose ceiling is very realistically to win the event. And I, I bet him outright also at 60 to 1. Um, and I just think, you know, he's going to be in the 11% range. Similar, He's similar to the, the home is the Bubba is the... So he's not, you know, um, not relatively... Uh, unowned, but yeah, I think at 7,900 with that ceiling, that's I'm completely fine paying that ownership. And he has the Tory Pines correlation. He's playing very well. Um, I just think this is a great, great spot for him. He, he played. He has a, some good course history. I, I love him. Yeah, it's one of those ones where, and I I don't necessarily subscribe to this notion, but a lot of people 
love him at Augusta every year, right? And and they always want to play him there. And again, if you if you want to play him there, he plays well at Torrey Pines. Uh, you know, you've got to play him here. Like it's just they just all cross over so nicely. And he's had a couple of good finishes here in the past. Um, he can get wayward off the tee, um, which is obviously mm-hmm. the concern. You know, that is the one negative. But he hasn't been of late, or certainly not in the same sort of degree that he was. Uh, when he was struggling last year and just just been really solid. I mean, even like you look at his recent results, like that 36th in Hawaii was like the outlier of a poor result. He shot 67, 68, 68, 66. Like it was a really solid week. It's just that scoring was so low there that he didn't, you know, he didn't get to it. He shot, he made three eagles that week and it just just was only nine birdies. That was the problem. So um, I really like Mark Leishman as well. I think. I kind of expected Leishman and Neiman, though, to be the higher owned based on what I've seen in the betting circles this week. Um, so, right on Leishman, he is somewhat higher owned, but Neiman really, like I said, isn't. There's yeah. so many options down here. And the other one, um, well, there's two that I, the two other I like, I like this range a lot, um, yeah. is both Sergio and Paul Casey. Paul Casey yep. at 7,600 is. Looking like he's going to be 13, 14% owned, very high, but for a good reason. I mean, he's way too cheap at 7,600. Yeah, I, it's weird with Paul Casey because I've been one of these guys that's been converted to Paul Casey over the last couple of years. I think he's actually improved. He was always very solid before, right? And I think he has taken another step. But when I looked at his kind of course history, which is impressive, you know, it's decent. Um, it just worries me that the upside of it. I mean, I know he's got a second place finish. He, he had one year, but even that year it was like a, a slightly tougher scoring year, um, and he and he lost in that playoff. And then since then he's kind of been, I would say, objectively not good for him. Like, you know, nothing above twenty fifth. That would be my slight concern. Is that I think you mentioned before with kind of like Cameron Chan and things like that. Like Paul Casey generally telegraphs when he's going to play well, and and when his course issues like this, I would be a little bit concerned. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I don't, I can't see him winning the actual event, but I just think at 7,600, if you get a 14th finish from him, that's great. Yeah, and I think uh, he, he allows you to do other things, right, is, is the main thing. Yeah, and then, so, you know, he's, if you talk about Scott, I mean, I don't see Scott and, and Casey all that much different, and you're saving, you're saving 600. Yeah, um, no, and no, then, I agree with that. And then, and then Sergio here is... Um, he's 7,800, so he's 400 cheaper than Scott, and he's coming in at like 5% owned. I, I love Sergio Garcia. I've been a, again, he's a bit like Paul Casey. I've kind of come around to him later on in their careers, and I think the upside is so good with Sergio. Like, I can see him winning this tournament, and mm-hmm. I know that the course form has been very up and down, but he's got, you know, three top six finishes at least in the last 15 years. Um, and I think that those co- sort of like the recent finishes of two thirty seven and a missed cut has kind of put people off. So that that is useful in a way that, like you say, five percent ownership. I, I think that's great because if he's driving the ball like Sergio Garcia does, and you know you're happy with is uh, around a green game, which we are, then I'm pretty happy with Sergio Garcia. Yeah, I mean him, and then to a lesser extent Casey, in an event where you can just hit the ball you know, pretty far. Sergio still pumps it. Get it out there in the fairway. Hit the green. You don't have to putt lights out. I mean, do you worry about the four or five footers with him? Absolutely. But the fact that he doesn't have to get to 20 under this week, I mean, if he gets to eight, nine under par, he is paying himself off greatly. And then if he gets to 12 or 13 under par, he could win the, win the event. 
Yeah, and I think also that the concern you've got with the, with the guys missing three footers, it, it, it kind of goes around everyone, even at the top. And you know, you're not paying top prices for Sergio Garcia, and I think that's what you've got to do. Like, I think people are just giving up on Casey's and Garcia's and things like that because there's so much new blood and they're so good so early that they kind of don't want to go and play the the, the kind of wily veterans, if you like. So the weeks that you do kind of pull the trigger on them, um, they're, they're fairly low owned. I've gone with Thomas Peters, uh, as I said in my outright column. Um, seems to be a very popular play in terms of the outright market for very good reason. Uh, first and twelfth to, to start the year um, in in the, the DP World Tour, and it was slightly disappointing in Saudi, but but not necessarily bad. And you know he he's got that second place finish here in 2017 on his debut. The only slight concern I've got with Thomas Peters is maybe overvaluing that one round because he shot a 63, I think, on the Sunday. Uh, to shoot up the leaderboard, and, and it could be that you know one round five years ago um, shouldn't really factor in. Yeah, I mean, if you like the skill set of uh, Rory McIlroy or Dustin Johnson here, how can you not like Thomas Peters? And it's basically what he does, and it's a there's a reason why he played well here on that Sunday, I guess, because his skill set is just a great fit for Riviera. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I like it. I like to play. I like, you know, I'm probably going to be a fade on him just because I'm seeing his name around so much that I kind of want to go off it. And he is, he is as great as he is. He's volatile, especially on the PGA tour. Um, I think I would rather try to go for my upside on these other guys and, you know, stick with my Leishman, Neiman, Sergio and Casey in this range. I think for me, it was just the fact that he's been more consistent as a whole recently. Like, and, and when I start seeing that in Thomas Peters' game and, and he's got a clear objective of trying to make the Ryder cup, that, um, you know, I, I do think he could be the way to go, but I do take the point that he is volatile. Is there anyone else that you wanted to talk about? Uh, you know, of any length in the seven K range? No, those are those are my four guys. Cool. I mean, I, I you know, I think again, I always like Tom Hoagie and Luke List at the moment. Um, they both have good course fits. Uh, Hoagie's actually had a decent round here last year, but it was one. I think Alex Noren might be quite popular. Um, he's got a decent course history here and, and obviously he's fresh in the minds of people uh, from Phoenix last week. But he, you know, again, is when you think about... It, it depends what you want at this range. Like, you said that you don't expect uh, Paul Casey and, and maybe even Sergio Garcia to win this golf tournament. So, obviously, Alex Noren doesn't have to either. But um, I suppose you're just more happy just to take Paul Casey and, and ride with him. Well, you know, part of looking at it is what Noren did at in phoenix is why he played so well i mean he gained almost seven strokes putting yeah and he was he was very level the rest of the way he's been so like unpredictable lately sometimes he plays he's been playing great at the courses you wouldn't really expect him to play all that well at and then you know he's playing poorly in the courses where historically he's been great at and for me it's just too much of a crapshoot to to know what he's going to do on a weekly basis and these other guys are just better players i'm going to play the better players i've got a couple of guys i really like uh in the in the Above six and a half k, uh, we probably won't dip down to the bottom half just yet. Um, but who are your favourite players at the top half of this six k range? Um, I like Party Marty Laird. Yeah, he was great last week. I played him last week, and he uh, he worked out really well. Um, he's really not incredibly high owned, like you know three and a half percent, which is you know not a low number for that range. But I think it's perfectly fine. Um, I, I like his you know he can go fairway green and just kind of do it that way. Um, and then my other was uh, Cameron Young at 6,700, who has a skill set. He That's pounds small. it off the tee. Yeah, he's. I mean, he, I love him. I, I, uh, 
I got a top 20 bet on him last week and it was like 85 to one. And I, I hammered it and he finished like 25th. So <laughs> that kind of sucks. But, but as far as DraftKings lineup, he worked out perfectly. I mean, he was 6,300 as a replacement. He paid him off. I'm gonna go right back to him. I love Cameron Young. Like, I just think that the, the 20th place finish at the farmers where he shot a 64 in the third round, um, you know, the, the Sanderson farms, like you said earlier in the year, where he was second, he went low scoring there. And, and like you say, just the the course fit. Like he's just a great driver of the golf ball. Um, has a lot of upside. I think I don't think he has winning upside just yet on a golf course like this um, because you know we need to see him do it. Because, but I, I kind of see him, and it's probably more just a Wake Forest thing. But I kind of see him as similar stuff as Alasaurus. I think he can elevate his game to to his level in terms of ball striking. So long term, really high on Cameron Young. I think it's a good time to play him. Yeah, it's a great time, and not just the course that he can't that he probably can't win at. It's just the field. Yeah. Um, but if, if he can come in, you know, twentieth somewhere in that range again, that'd be perfect. Um, he's he's going to be a little bit popular for you know a little bit more popular than you'd usually like in this particular range. Um, obviously not, you know, incredibly popular. Probably like four or five percent, um, just because I think a lot of people probably see what we're seeing. But I I've no, I I think it's a, a you know it, it's hard to say safe in this range but um he's playing so well i think is uh somewhat safe i like sebastian muñoz he was strong tees green last week i think he was fourth in that category um 23rd last week in phoenix third at the rsm just before christmas he shot opening round 60 closing round 65 um shot a second round 65 uh on the north course at sorry pines i just think he's playing a little bit better than than his numbers suggest and his course form is fine he's a two two starts here and, and two make cuts. Yeah, um, I wasn't really looking at him, but it looks like he actually is going to be pretty popular. Um, more popular than Young, and he's looking like the hot, the most popular guy in this range as of now. Uh, uh, okay, that, 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 that would possibly change my mind then. I mean, it was more I was digging into him because he, he's perfect for the first round leader market, and that's somewhere I was going to go with him. Um, so that was kind of why I found a lot about him. But certainly if he's going to be more popular than Cameron Young. What about a Matt Kuchar? I know you've been back to him a couple of times. Is he going to be a bit more popular than, than you wanted to see because he's got that kind of second-place finish here recently? Uh, no, I don't think he's going to be popular at all. Um, he's going to be in that 3% range, which is you know what I like to see in the high eights. And um, I don't know if I'm going to play him. I just – I don't know. Is he done? Is he – Miss back to back cuts. I think you can still do it, right? Like I think I think you were, I think if you cast your mind back to, to what you said about him at the Sony and um you know, you were quite high on him and he finished seventh and he paid you off really well there. I wouldn't want to let two miss cuts put me off because one of them was at the Pro Am Pebble Beach where three courses rotating long rounds, right? And he shot a sixty eight in round one uh at Phoenix last week. Like that was fine. It's just that the, the scoring got away from him on round two. So I think on a course where, like you say, fairways and greens, like just very, you know, mechanical in his play, like I think Matt Kuchar can pay off here, you know, because even outside of the second place finish, he's just always been very, very solid here. And I know that's generally been as he's been at the peak of his powers, but I think a, a top 20 finish for him is not out of relevant possibility. Yeah, I, um, I could, I wasn't, necessarily thinking about playing him too much but um i think you know you're right you're right he could he definitely could do it um who do you like better him or him or laird 
probably lead because I think there's probably more upside. I think there's probably chances for more birdies. I think Kucha could just get round playing solid golf and parring when other people are kind of really struggling. So yeah, probably lead. But I think I think if I wanted to leverage off anybody like in this range, I think Kucha might be a good way to do it. Yeah, um, there are a couple guys in the mid sixes who are really popular. Um, is one of them Doug Pat- Gim? Is one of them Doug Gim? No. Okay. Nope. The 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 really high one is Patrick Rogers. He's coming in at, looking at eleven percent at hundred. That's just wow. screams fade to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I I know he's got some decent course history here, but he had decent course history uh, basically in every event on this swing so far, and he has not been good. And then the other one is who I did want to play, but now I don't know if I will, is Wyndham Clark. He has great course history. Um, yeah. Looking at about 7%, but if he's going to be that popular, I could, I'd rather just go somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was more ready to say anything about Wyndham Clark, but again, I, I don't need to play him because the ownership's so high. Like Again, he's another spoiler alert for the article that's coming out. He will be in my first-round leader uh, piece. He's opened with 67 both times that he's played here. Um, and being kind of second and third after the first day. So um, that's just what Wyndham Clark does, right? Like he comes firing out on a Thursday, um, you know, shoots a decent number and, you know, he's there and, and that kind of catches people's eye. And 17th and 8th place finish, it was never going to go missing for someone of his sort of calibre, I guess. Um, but you also have, he has that potential where he can just completely erupt like he did in Phoenix last week, where I think he was seven or eight over par on the first day yes it it's always dicey 74 last week so I'm, I'm giving him a bit unjust but he wasn't good no um i i'll probably get him in a lineup just because i think he like he's one of those guys where you can see like oh you look back on a leaderboard from five years ago and you see like rom finished first rory finished second Wyndham clock finished third i just think he has one of those kind of high ceilings yeah no, um, no i do I, I really like Wyndham clock but like you say it's it's when you when you got a really high owned person in the six k range, you, you you tend to look elsewhere. Yeah, and then Aaron Rye is seven percent at sixty four hundred, which I'm good fading that as well. See, I thought you might have I thought you might have liked Aaron Rye after our little discussion <laughs> we had the other day, but um, it's weird, right? I think everyone everyone just wants Aaron Rye to do what Matthew Fitzpatrick's done here. And and in a similar way, and, and he is not Matthew Fitzpatrick. Like I think we're we're quickly finding out that you know everyone thought he was going to be good at Pebble, yourself included, and, and he struggled a little bit. And um, you know the American Express got away from him scoring wise. Even at Sony, right, that should have been a decent course fit. I think I think there's going to be a case of maybe overvaluing that that sixth place finish at Tory. I know he was good before Christmas, but. I just I always felt he was going to struggle long term on the PGA Tour because of the mix of courses. And if I stick to that notion, then certainly in this level of field, he should uh, he should kind of fade away. I mean, again, you don't need him to do a lot of 6400, but when the ownership's too high, you uh, you don't really gain much by having him in your lineups. Yeah, I agree, and that, I I don't really want anything to do with him this week. And not not to mention skill set. Like I said, I'm I'm falling for those long long hitters. Um, I think you got to play that narrative. If I'm playing that narrative up top, I want to get guys that correlate with that down low. Yeah, and that's why you win. The part comes in right. That's perfect for that. Yeah, exactly. And then I was looking. You know, it's tough. Cameron Champ is looking around pretty close to zero percent this week at 6,500. Um, and last week his stats weren't very weren't bad really. Um, so he's someone you could maybe 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 consider. 
A Min Woo Lee, who was popular a couple of weeks ago, let people down. He's looking, you know, in the between zero and one percent. So, there, Cameron Davis, same thing. There are some guys who people are just kind of writing off, and I'm not sure. And it might be, be kind of a spot where you can look for a high ceiling play. Yeah, I mean, look, it, you know, I, I tried to do the Cameron Champ before, and that didn't work. And you kind of let me know that wasn't going to happen. So, if you think that is worth doing this time, it could be, uh, it could be worth it. I'm interested in terms of skill set, right? You know, we, we talk about Clark and matching up with the guys at the top. What about Dylan Fratelli at 6,300? Because we know his game now is completely different to what it's been here in the past. Um, and we saw him succeed at Augusta for long periods of that week. And I think he could be a sneaky play. Yeah, he's definitely sneaky. I looked at him uh, and the only thing with him, and not that it this is unique to him in this range, but he just you never know when he's going to play well. It's just oh, so, absolutely so random. <laughs> Like no. he's the most random guy ever. He, he finishes fifth at the Open, misses three cuts prior and two cuts after. Um, he he's really scary, and I think that's what's always going to keep people off because, objectively, sort of looking at his skill set, like he's long driver of the golf ball, um, can have a decent short game at times as well. Like that that's perfect for here. And you know he had that twenty fourth place finish at Pebble, but you think that his long drive would have been rewarded in Phoenix last week and you think it would have been rewarded at Torrey Pines and it wasn't. And there's always alarm bells with him. And that, that's, I guess, one week you're just going to get him right and he's going to pay off in a huge way at this kind of price tag. But it's, it's so scary to do it. Yeah, but you're right. This week, looking at every week, this week could be the week. Um, and there are also a couple guys here who just might, not that they're safe, but they're kind of a lower floor play, but... Skill set wise, I was looking at, um, you know, Grillo, who was kind of in the mix last week for a little for at the beginning of the event. I don't know what the hell happened to him. Do you? Yeah, no, he just he just completely tanked, didn't he? But um, sixty three hundred. Yeah. yeah, I, I don't know, with Grillo, like it's been bad. Like it's been really, really bad. Like, I know he was, like you say, he was up there early, and you know that well, that won't get seen when his final round was was seventy and seventy two. So. Um, you know, he had that 65 in the second round of the American Express. It's just been the, the amount of miscuts for someone that generally we've always kind of spoken about as having a, a reasonable floor um, and just not being able to win. He now just doesn't even have that. Like, you can't even be trusted to make those cuts. Um, so he does scare me a little bit. I don't know if his life's just changed a little bit with, with parenthood and things like that coming up, but um, I don't know what to do with, uh, with Gritter. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Um, and then... You know, the one guy who has very poor course history, so I don't really want to say too much on it, but at 6K flat, Kevin Tway, who made the cut last week, finished in, you know 50th, I think, at, in Phoenix and gained two strokes on approach and almost one off the tee, maybe as a skill set type of guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't really have too much to say on Kevin Tway. I think it's it's one of those things, like you say, he's, he's a long hitter, can get hot with a putter. Um, you know, there there's so many golfers down here that because they can't win, they're, they're priced to the point where you can just put them in if you like. Don't worry about it. Um, Doc Redmond's obviously won an amateur event here and was playing a little bit better for a, a period of time. He's made 25th and 30-30 his last two weeks, uh, or two starts. He didn't play last week in Phoenix. Um, so I'd be interested to see how he got on. He got he miscut uh, on his debut here. But if he's back to what we were kind of seeing from Doc Redmond a couple of years ago, then he might be a good play. What's his price? 6300 Wow. Yeah, that's low. That's very low, and he, it's uh, he's not really garnering any ownership either, about 1%. So 
makes sense to me with the you know all you need is something to go off with these low guys and he has the course form and he's coming off a 25th and a 33rd in his last two starts so yeah he makes some sense yeah just and just that that kind of i i thought people would like him because of that amateur thing but obviously not um i think people have been burnt too many times with doc redmond that they've kind of given up with him and there's so many shiny new toys on the market now you don't really need to worry about these guys that have let you down in the past so um I think that probably wraps it up. I don't, unless you've got anyone that you really want to talk about a minimum value to, that you wanted to mention. No, I, I think we've, we've covered it all. Yeah, I, I think anything else would just be really just trying to find someone for the sake of it. So um, let's go for your favorite play uh, above 10K. Uh, Dustin Johnson. Yep, I like that. Um, I will go with Morikawa in the hope that he kind of turns things around. Um, 9K range for me. Um, 9k I'm going to go Rory yep me too I'm in there with Rory as well let's go uh, 8k let's just make it very easy let's go. 8k I'm going to go with what do I have in the 8k uh, I, I'm kind of I mean I'm kind of skipping range and going 7900 to um, okay. Leishman yep no I like that I think I'm going to go um, with Bubba Watson uh, just on the fact that he, I think if he hadn't played so well with his irons last week and had that decent finish in Saudi I, I'd probably be less inclined but that looks good uh, 7k range I'm going to go with Joaquin Neiman uh, did you want to take someone from the lower 7k's to go with that as well yeah I'll go um, Sergio Garcia yep I like that and then your favourite 6k guy and below um, I'm going to that's probably the same as you Cameron Young yep I love Cameron Young um, I did like Sebastian Munoz. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that he was he was popular in this range. So uh, that puts me off a little bit. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how he goes. Um, but I think that puts a bow on it, Matt. I think it's been... Um, I think it's going to be a really good viewing event. It's, it's a really nice event to bet because you get long odds on people that you never normally do. Um, but I think this is one of the toughest events to kind of get your lineups right because cause ownerships aren't... You know, don't really dictate what you do. Like, if there's someone at the top that you can fade um, and, and have a real opinion on. It's probably a lot easier. Um, whether you get it, you know, if you get it right or wrong, that's one thing. But you have a clearer mind. Whereas when the the ownership spread out, you've kind of got to make tougher decisions, I guess. Yeah, I completely agree with you. But I think this is um, a good opportunity this week. I have a, I have a, I have a good feeling about it, and I'm excited to see it. I love watching this course. It's excellent on TV. We're going to see Tiger in the booth. We have. The best field in Riviera history this week, so it's yep. a great week for golf fans. Yep, absolutely. I think this is one after the the party antics of Phoenix, which are, are great in many ways. I think this is one for the purists. Um, certainly a lovely course to watch on TV, um, and we will get a deserving winner at the end. So, Matt, thank you very much for uh, for your time this week, and uh, let's get another good week going. Thank you. Let's have a good one. 